What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome back to the 52 Podcast. 52 weeks, 52 books, making every week count. My name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Santarelli. And for those of you that are joining us for the first time, this entire podcast, this video podcast, everything that we're creating for you guys is all about books. It's about the 52 best books that we can read in this year all about business, marketing, personal development. And what we're doing is we're taking all of the key points and bringing them to you in an easy, digestible way where you guys can learn everything from the book even if you don't have the time to read them. We'd love for you guys to join us. This particular week, we are reading a book called Make Your Bed by Admiral, retired Admiral, William H. McRaven. This book, I actually really love this book. It's super short. It's a two-hour, really quick read. Uh, and it's really an inspiring and amazing tale about a man's journey through leadership and through becoming a Navy SEAL and being a Navy SEAL for you know, a, a number of decades. So lots of great, great stories, anecdotes, uh, and massive lessons to take away from this book. Ross, what did you think of the book overall? You know, I liked it. it this gave me a lot of uh, thoughts going back to extreme ownership. I thought this was very similar, and also because they were both Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs, sure. So yeah. I can understand the the, uh, the difference there. But this was almost like, uh, like the starter kit to extreme ownership. This was great. It was a very easy read. You can get through it very quickly. Um, like we always say, if you're someone who says you don't have enough time to read or get one of these books done, if you don't have two hours, I don't know what you're doing. Because if you're so busy watching TV, things like that, stop it. This is a great book. Pick it up. Get the audio book. Um, you're going to learn a lot. Um, and like I said, with that, the title was Make Your Bed. And I don't know about more. This is not something that I normally do. Uh, I'm not very good at making my bed. How about you? You know, for the most part, no, I would totally, I was a believer of, you know what, I'm going to get back into it anyway, so it's going to be crumpled one way or the other. So what's the point of taking the time to make my bed? Uh, and you know, it's it, doing it for the last week, because obviously, right, I've been reading the book and we've, we've taken the time to actually make our beds this week. It's such a simple task. It's so remedial and mundane. But at the same time, the feeling of completing an action first thing in the morning, even small as making your bed, something that basically nobody's going to see, you're going to be the only person to see your bed when you come back to it uh, in the evening, is a fulfilling feeling. It's a way to start off your day. It's a way to create a momentum for you moving forward within that day to achieve other tasks, to complete other things in your world. So I've taken on uh, making my bed every morning, uh, as simple of a task as it is, and I felt like I've been more productive throughout the week due to the fact that I'm completing a task first thing every morning. So I'm a, I'm actually, uh, as someone that didn't make his bed and now is making his bed, mm -hmm. I see the the mental philosophical battle that you play when you make your bed every morning. It's so small and and simple, but it creates a massive runway for the rest of the day to create motivation mm -hmm. and, and momentum into completing other tasks. And in addition to that, when you return to your bed every night, you feel like uh, there's a moment of accomplishment of my bed is made. Tomorrow, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to have another great day. My bed's going to be made again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's a set of initial start to a lot of things. Yeah. You know, it just creates positive ripples throughout your day. Mm -hmm. So that's what I took away from making your bed. Ross? I liked it. Same thing. I didn't, I tried it a few times this week. I'm not going to lie and say I did it every day. 
Um, but I'm going to be trying to do it. And, and, you know, we always say the way we set goals, take a daily, a weekly, and a monthly goal. So I'm going to try to set this with, you know, my goal for tomorrow, make my bed, and then do that the next day, the next day. Then my goal is to, can I do it the whole week? Then after that, can I do it the whole month? And then once you do that, once you hit 90 days, you've created pretty much a habit. So that's kind of the way I'm going to try to go about it. Um, like I said, it's a change in, in mindset. But you see the value. I see the value. It's, it's something that, you know, it's a very easy task. It's probably the easiest task you can complete every day. Um, so just start off your day with a victory. And it's, yeah, it's not it's not about making the bet. It's about starting your day off yeah. with a victory. Yeah. You know, 100%. And uh, small tasks, little things that create massive impact. What about the big things, right? There's going to be a lot of big things in our world that we're going to have to take on. And there's zero shame in having a team to do it with. Mm-hmm. Actually, quite the contrary. There is a lot of respect and dignity in having a group of people that can support you in creating massive things in your world, support you in, in taking action towards your vision. And chapter two is all about you can't go at it alone. It's all about the idea of team. You're going to need a group of people that support you to create massive things in your vision, towards your vision, right? And this particular chapter of the book, in my opinion, was very eye-opening. It was all about the psychology of these boat crews that go through basic training and uh, the six-month basic training for SEAL camp. And it was incredible to see how even the smallest guy was able to make the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into that in the next chapter. What are your thoughts on teamwork, Ross? I think teamwork is one of the most important things. And and, he talked about it in the book where... You know, they were talking, like I said, the different rowing teams, and it wasn't the team that was the biggest, strongest, fastest that actually won. It was the team that was kind of working together in the most cohesive fashion. Sure. So when it comes to a team, I always look for you need to have a team that not only will push you to be better, but you can push them to be better. I think that's the biggest dynamic. You don't ever want to feel like the team is dragging you along or you're dragging them down. You need to be able to play off each other, like kind of how Moore and I have done over the last few years. You know, you can't be scared to get in their face or give them critical feedback if they know that you're, you're doing this to, to put them in the best position to win. So a team is very important. Make sure you take care of yourself. Start with things like making your own bed so that you're in the best position to also help your team improve as well. But yeah, a team is incredibly important to have. I think anyone, anyone will, will agree with that. No doubt. And you know, there's some really great anecdotes in the book that we're not going to spoil for you because they are really good mm-hmm. uh, about Hell Week and uh, different types of trials and tribulations that different SEAL teams have to go through to uh, basically become a Navy SEAL. So in chapter three, it's all about the size of your flippers, not about the size, or not about this, excuse me, it's not about the size of your flippers, it's about the size of your heart. So another cool anecdote that was brought to us is in the, in the, post portion of the book of the audiobook that we read through uh, this week was all about the size of your flippers and the smallest team versus the largest team different teams uh, during this uh, training program that they have in the Navy training program uh, they would go each against each other as boat crews they would have crews um, of 10 eight different guys that were mm-hmm. trying to become Navy SEALs that would be carrying boats together. And the most successful team, funny enough, that was described to us was the shortest team, otherwise known as the Munchin, Munchkin Crew, as mm-hmm. I think that he, the way that he described like it. no one on that group was taller than like 5'5". Five, 5'5", five, five, right? And it was a mixture of all different ethnicities and all different backgrounds. And, and 
I think the point that he was trying to make by bringing up that example was that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how big or small that you are. It's about the heart. It's about the heart that you bring to the team. It's about how much you're willing to sacrifice for your, for the good of the team, for the good of the vision, right? Um, so it's all about where is your heart? How do you care? How much do you care? How much are you willing to go past the standard of excellence to create massive impact within your team? Ross, thoughts? I agree. I think it's, you know, we've, we've seen this in a lot of other books before. Um, and like I said, it comes down to, to you and, and build the ability for you to self-motivate. You know, it really is going into kind of how you're able to get yourself day to day and be able to push through adversity. I think that's the biggest thing that we've we've had as a theme is be able to be relentless and push through adversity. Um, this made me think back again, extreme ownership where they, where they had the same thing. Um, where they switched out the boat leader who thought that his team couldn't win. Sure. And they switched it. One simple thing of leadership there was able to change the victory. This is looking at from the other side, looking at it from how is the team set up and seeing that the team also has a massive impact and success um, based on, like I said, their outlook and, and where they're trying to achieve. And I think it's one of the favorite, one of your favorite quotes, which is, uh, you know, it's not about the size of the dog. It's about the size of the fight. And the, it's not about the, the dog and the fight. It's about the fight and the dog, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so with that being said, you know, it's all about how much heart do you have? How willing are you to go and drive on? And another funny thing that I loved in this book is they, they give you so much insight yeah. into the Navy SEALs world and like how you get to train and become a Navy SEAL. And they were talking about how life isn't fair. Like the, the next chapter, chapter four is all about how life's not fair. Move on. Right. So the first thing that they do every single morning is they check the bed. They make sure the bed's immaculate. Then they check the uniforms. They want to make sure that you know the 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 foldings in the uh, in the ironing with the with with the starch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Everything is immaculate. And if you mess up, if you happen to be the person that messes up their uniform, you know they would they they had something that they would call uh, you would be a, be called a sugar cookie. So they'd send you out to the waves first thing in the morning fully dressed, jump in the surf zone, get fully wet, jump into the sand, roll around a little bit till you're covered head to toe in, in, in sand, in wet sand. And that's how you would go through your day. Mm-hmm. And that would be called being a sugar cookie. And, you know, it's funny because he was talking about how a lot of these SEALs, or SEALs in training more correctly, would get to a point where they're like, dude, what the hell? Like, why yeah. are we every single morning, why are we getting picked apart? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, our stuff is perfect. Everything is beautiful. Why are we still getting picked on when we try so hard and we give it all of our effort? They didn't get the point. And most of the SEALs that had that outlook were actually the SEALs that dropped, the SEALs that rang the bell, or the SEALs that were, uh, you know, that were kicked out of boot camp. And... The idea of, of sending someone to be a sugar cookie every day is that life's not fair. Sometimes you're going to get a hand that you were dealt that you re- that really sucks. Yeah. Your day is going to be harder, and that sucks. But you know what? You're going to get through it anyway. So understanding that at the end of the day, life isn't fair, and you're going to have to battle through whatever obstacles you have in your way anyway, and finding the joy in that, finding the joy in overcoming that extra obstacle mm-hmm. is where happiness lies. Yeah. Right. Funny that we're being taught about happiness from guys that seem like, you know, you know, we got to be the perfect soldier. Right. But like, it's, it's all about moving past that obstacle and seeing that life isn't fair and you're going to make the best out of what you have. You just got to make the best of what you got. 
Yeah. And with that, you know, like I said, talking about life's not fair, you're going to have a lot of things. And like you said, they'll pick you out at random and make you a quote unquote sugar cookie. Sure. But with that, you know, you have to understand that even when you do mess up, those failures are what's going to make you stronger. And that's actually the next chapter in the book where we've talked about it a lot. You know, if you're scared to fail, you're never going to succeed. You really have to be able to put yourself out there and risk being wrong to be able to get some of that critical feedback that's going to put you in a position where you're really getting that information that you really desire. No doubt. Um, and like I said, and also being relentless. You know, if you're really in a spot where, you know, failure, you get hit in the face with some failure and you just sit back and you quit. Okay. But that's there's going to be other people out there that continue pushing forward and you're going to look back in a few years like, wow, that could have been me. Yeah, it could have been you. But it wasn't because you weren't able to accept your failure and use that to make you stronger. And it's it's funny that you bring that that was the last words that came out of your mouth because the example that he uses for uh, failure can make you stronger, right? Is the circus. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's so great. I love that they invite us into all of the little terminology that they use for their Navy SEAL training. Uh, for those that were the least performance oriented during the training, right? Those who, who created the, the least amount of results, there was something called the circus that they were invited to. And the circus was two hours of additional calisthenics. Sounds terrible. On additional on top of a full day of running around like a, like a nut as, as a Navy SEAL. Those that did the least were invited to do more, right? And for those that ended up in the circus... There were two types of people. There were the people that dedicated themselves and said, I'm going to get through this. And there were the people that quit and rang the bell and left. And the craziest thing about failure can make you stronger is that it literally appears in physical form through the circus. Mm -hmm. They saw that those that failed the most often but were willing to mentally stick out the pain were actually becoming significantly stronger than those that didn't fail. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they were putting in the extra work, right? Because of their failures, they went and worked harder and became stronger and started overtaking everyone else that wasn't doing the extra work that they were. So there's two ways to look at it. You can either fail and wave the white flag and quit and say, I'm out, I'm done. Or you can fail, put in the extra work, get stronger and continue to move forward. Yeah. So it's just a physical manifestation of a mental and ph- like philosophical Agreed. concept, of ph- philosophical concept, excuse me. So really cool, amazing stuff. Speaking of physical, right, chapter six is all about you must dare greatly. And uh, another example that was brought up in the book was all about uh, a particular point of the, in the obstacle course where in order to create better results, you had to take risk. You had to dare greatly with your physical condition Mm -hmm. to make massive results. And it's so interesting because all of these things have their physical manifestations. All of these philosophical ideas that we're going over in this book that have so much to do with business, so much to do with marketing, so much to do with personal development, so much to do with your personal relationships and how you can grow those, have a physical manifestation in these different examples that are being used in the book uh, via anecdotes through McRaven's experience. It's a beautiful thing. And when it comes to daring within your business, you have to take risk. 
if you're not willing to take risk, you will not be willing to re- reap reward. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to feel pain, you will not be able to feel love. It's really quite that simple. It's a bipolar opposite that requires both in order to create a neutral and positive Mm -hmm. movement forward. Yeah, I agree. And I think when it comes to daring greatly, this is something that um, you're used to hearing, which is dream big. I think it's the simplest way to put it. Dream big. Don't set your small goals. Obviously set plans that you can get and put in place to be able to get to your overarching goal checkpoints etc yeah but it really the important thing is if you know where you want to be don't be scared to dream big you know dare greatly don't be scared of the consequences like we talked about earlier because that failure will make you stronger so go and do it break those chains that are holding you back and keep pushing forward week after week day after day and embrace the failure embrace the pain embrace the lessons that come with failure because that's really all all failure is is a bunch of lessons on what not mm-hmm. to do embrace those and move forward and continue to become the best version of yourself now when you do that there will be lots of people that we love to call haters right there's going to be plenty of people that are going to get in your way you could also call them bullies. You can also call them sharks, right? And the best way to get rid of a shark is to punch it straight in the nose, right? Stand your ground and punch it straight in the nose. And that's what chapter seven is all about. There's always going to be someone that's going to come after you for your success. How it goes. Yeah. No matter which way you look at it. In order to be able to continue to achieve and move past those obstacles, you have to punch that shark straight in the nose, just nail them straight in the nose. And whether it takes a, a physical manifestation in your life of you actually punching someone in the nose or not, we're not condoning that. However, right, you get to stand up to those that are standing in your way because your vision is important, because you are important, because what you want to create and the impact that you can leave on this planet by the time that you die is more important than the hate of someone else that's untransformed and unwilling to do massive things for themselves and see the positivity, see the, the, the positive motion and the positivity in supporting another person in their vision, right? So stand up to your bullies. Don't be willing to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, when you talk about going to the next level, that's you know rising to the occasion. You know, once you've, you've punched that shark in the face, you know, and that was an incredible example of them, you know, waiting around the water and scared about a great white shark coming up. Sure. But, yeah, rising to the occasion because, like I said, if you have, you know, these bullies or these sharks that are, that are coming after you, it doesn't matter what their outlook on you is. You know, if you think of yourself as a book, since we've been reading books every week, they might know you from the first edition, but they weren't there for the second, the third, the fourth, now the tenth edition that you're on. You know, you have changed, you have grown. Maybe they have, and maybe they haven't. Sure. They could still be on the same one that you stagnant. knew from the beginning. Absolutely. So don't let somebody else write your narrative. You are the author of your own book. So stay there, stay consistent, stay strong, and punch those sharks in the face. Absolutely. And if you can do that, you will continue to improve and rise forward. You will rise to future occasions that come up because you know that if you weren't able to try it before or you didn't succeed the first time, Using a lot of the previous steps that McRaven lays out, you're going to be in a very strong chance to succeed, stronger than a lot of the other people around you, especially if you've built that team around you and understanding that it does take others to help you sometimes to get there. So the beautiful thing with this book is as you start to go through it, a lot of them start to link together. 
You know, he really, in the first few chapters, gives you a lot of things that work great in singularity. Sure. But as you get to the bigger ones of, you know, standing up to bullies, rising to the occasion, a lot of that happens when you combine a lot of these and weave them all together in a seamless fashion. Sure, absolutely. That's a great observation, Ross. I truly like that. And it's funny because it's it, it, rising to the occasion is something that my coaches have always told mm-hmm. me. And like basketball coaches, football coaches, mm-hmm. right? Don't play down to the level of your competition. Always play to your best. Don't let other people get in the way of you creating massive success. And another cool example that he uses in this particular um, in this particular book to describe chapter eight, Rise to the Occasion, is all about one of the most dangerous, most intense and crazy exercises that you have to do to become a Navy SEAL. And that is a two mile each way swim in the middle of pitch black darkness underwater to to put a, a, a explosive device on a on a ship. That's that's so the, the, the training action is a pair of divers mm-hmm. swimming two miles to the boat putting on a, a, an explosive device on this boat at the very bottom, the darkest, darkest, darkest portion of the water that you are going to be around when you're in a boat, right? The very, the key, I believe, the keel, mm-hmm. I believe is the name, right? They have to put an explosive device on that and then swim all the way back in pitch black darkness with nothing but a, with a compass. And I don't even know if they have a flashlight. Crazy, crazy stuff. And the idea, the, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because he brings up a beautiful quote. It's one of my favorite quotes from the book. And the quote is, uh, if you want to change the world, you get to be your best in the darkest places. Right? When, when there is no light, when there is nothing around you, there is no positivity, when everything around you is against you, that is where true leaders shine by being their best. Mm-hmm. So rising to the occasion is all about being your best in a position of weakness, about being your best in a dangerous situation, about rising above your circumstances and creating anyways and creating from nothing, right? So when you create from nothing, you give people hope. And that's what chapter nine is all about. Right, and the, the it's one of my favorite examples of the bunch, and I've had so many because this book, in my opinion, was so great, so to the point, so short, and so impactful for me. I really like this book. I think it's actually my favorite book that we've read so far, and it's funny because it's the shortest. Uh, but giving people hope, and the example that's used is about uh, a interesting thing that they do in the mudflats during Hell Week. So during Hell Week, it's six days of brutality, of sleeping maybe an hour, and just constant exertion. This is when they get rid of, quote-unquote, most of the applicants that aren't going to fit, mm-hmm. that aren't going to make it. Most of, the, most of the SEALs that they have ring the bell during this portion of the training because it is so grueling. And on Wednesday of the training, they have something called uh, the mud flats, that so they go out to the mud flats. And this mud is literally up to their necks. Mm-hmm. And they have to wade through this mud and it just takes massive amounts of energy and it's exhausting and it's brutal and it's just nasty. And the drill sergeant will come up and get everyone in the mud and the first thing that he'll say is that you guys can all be done. We're going to be in this mud for eight hours, but we can all be done if five of you quit. Just five. Five of you have to you have to be comfortable and go enjoy your lives. Don't have to be in the mud. No more running. No more swimming. No more boats. No more caring. No more nothing, right? And the first thing that happened was 
one of the guys in the line was about to leave. But right as he was doing that, one of the bravest leaders of the bunch started singing. It wasn't up to tell. It wasn't up to spec. Trust me. Like, it probably was not pleasant to hear if you weren't there. Mm-hmm. But he started singing with his neck up, up to his neck in mud. This man decides that with this grueling training that they're going through, he's going to be singing. And he's going to make the best out of this. And he's going to inspire hope in the rest of his team. And what happened? Another person started singing. And then another one. And then by the end of the day, the whole group was singing. The sergeants are yelling. The sergeants are pissed. They're like, what the hell are you guys doing? Why are you singing? This is supposed to be grueling. This is, spo- this is, this is supposed to hurt. Mm-hmm. We don't want you singing. What are you doing? But they didn't care. They kept singing. And the power of hope is so massive. It makes the length of time that they had to be in that mud shorter. It makes the pain less significant. It's just, it's impactful. So giving people hope can create massive rewards because you inspire others to be their greatest self. So hope is huge, guys. Chapter nine, giving people hope, massive. Ross, thoughts? I mean, I agree. I think when you give people hope, and if we take it out of the Navy SEALs and put it into business for a moment, I think hope is something that a lot of people look for when if you're looking to hire somebody. They want to be able to come in and understand that they can be have a chance to succeed and be better, but they want to be able to align with the same vision. So in that example, you know, what they were able to do was take, you know, eight or so separate people and combine them together as one sure. for a common goal Great and let team. them know that we're going to make this together. We're going to make this work together. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to give people hope, like you said, it's probably one of the more powerful emotions um, or feelings that you can give someone because a lot of times it, it may not even be tangible. You really can't put a number on hope, you know, but you can put a feeling and that feeling sure. is what's really going to help drive you to the next level. Um, and with that, if, if you have that hope and you have that determination, the final chapter that he talks about is never, ever quit. You never know, ring think, the bell. I think and I think says. this is the biggest thing. And, you know, we've heard a, a, us talk about ringing the bell. Um, if you weren't familiar with it, they have a bell that you can pretty much ring three times. And that signals everybody that you're done. You quit. Um, you can go home. You will no longer be in the running to be a Navy SEAL. But I think this is one of the bigger arching goals that we've we've got from almost every book that we've read. And that's not only the consistency, but the lack of the ability to give up. You know, if you're really able to work through it, it may not happen today, may not happen tomorrow, may not even happen for four or five years. But if you keep pushing, I forgot who said it, but you create your own luck. One of our books, they said that about creating, I think it was Richard Branson. It's uh, um, it's the opportunity and preparation. When preparation meets opportunity is where luck is created. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, never give up. Don't quit. Your time will come if you trust in yourself, you work hard, you follow, you know, a lot of the steps that you've got from this book, you will be in a place to succeed. And that, I think, taking solace in the steps and the things that you're learning with us over these next 52 weeks um, are going to give you enough hope that, you know, you may not be in a different job by the end of this. You may not, you know, your financial situation may not have changed, but you know that you are mentally in a much better capacity to be able to accelerate your life. And it's going to put you on a different path, whether financially, personally, or even emotionally. You're going to be in a place where you feel more at peace with yourself and with what you're doing. And you're going to be trusting 
yourself more and others to be able to build kind of that team to get you through, you know, to the next level. 100%. 100%, guys. So don't give up. Keep going. Keep pushing through. It's like Thomas Edison. He found 10,000 ways not to do something. Yeah. Found 10,000 ways not to create a light bulb. But his 10,001th attempt, he made that light bulb. He did it. He changed the world. Changed the world for, for a century by now. Well over a century. Yeah. I mean, guys, if he would have given up, where would we be today? If you give up, where will you be tomorrow? So continue to put in the work. Continue to put in the work every single day and make sure that your vision is achieved. Because you're the only person that can create it. So don't ring the bell. Don't ring it. And with that being said, guys, that is the entire book. It is a quick read. It is really good. Did you like it? I liked it a lot. I really yeah. enjoyed this book. I think personally, like I said, I think it's my favorite book of the bunch oh, so far. Wow. I mean, we've read eight books, and so far this is my favorite. It's funny because I had a conversation with uh, a friend of mine the other day, and she's like, what's your favorite book of the bunch? And I'm like, to be honest with you, most of them have been informational and kind of like the, the key points are really, really important. It's something that I really enjoy mm-hmm. doing because I'm learning a lot. This book I just enjoyed because it was quick it was easy. The points driv- were driven mm-hmm. home really, really well. And it was just overall really well written. And that's good because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to pick a pretty diverse group of books. You sure. know, everything from, from business to marketing. We've, we've done, uh, I think this is the second of the Navy SEAL kind of books. Second of the Navy SEAL um, books. So trying to get a good collection because, like I said, my favorite books are not the same as Moore's. Sure. And it probably won't be the same for you. But we want you to take little tidbits along the path. For me, I, I enjoyed this book. This, to me, felt like the... Uh, Starter Kit to Extreme Ownership um, by Jocko Wilner. Got it. Uh, I really I enjoyed it. I thought it was very simple. A lot of the stuff felt a little overarching. I've noticed that I do not respond as well to a lot of the military books. Interesting. Um, for whatever the ex- reason. The military examples don't do it for you, huh? Sometimes they do, um, especially when they get into like, you know, the names of like tanks or weapons and stuff like that. Like that doesn't, doesn't really do anything, do anything for, for me. Or I know for some of my other friends that, that, that that's a good thing for I don't them. know. I enjoy, I enjoy yeah. the military. So, so really it's, it's very good. So I, I enjoyed it. I really love the discipline that you get from um, kind of these Navy SEAL books. Sure. They're really no BS. You have no one else to blame but yourself. And if you give up, ring that bell so everyone else can see you giving up. Right. You know, you can't sneak out at the, at the dark of night and quit and someone say, hey, where did... John go. No, you heard John leave. So for me, final thoughts. I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was a lot of information packed in about a two hour read. I really thought they went through a lot very quickly. Um, like I said, a lot of it did feel a little similar to extreme ownership, but the value, was but really all there. in all, yeah, incredibly valuable. And like I said, if you haven't read any of the books we you've been going along with us for, you've just been listening to the podcast and getting the, the summary. Check this That's one out. Great, Audible, but check guys. this one out. This is, this is two hours. Um, you can read it in a car ride. You can read 20 minutes a day and you'd still pretty much make it. So there's really no excuse on it. So give it a shot. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Check it out guys. Audible, a quick read. It really is really quick. Actually, the book is only an hour and a half and the last half hour is really the speech that he gives. It it, it is 2014. I believe believe, he went and gave a, exactly text longhorns. He gave a graduation speech and it was beautiful. It was an incredible speech. And I believe that's what actually stemmed his uh, his participation in creating this book was that people wanted to know more about those 10 steps, which he listed in 10, 10 chapters and made a book for. 
So really, really good stuff, guys. Next week, check us out. We're reading The Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman. Kaufman. Uh, and it's supposed to be a really beautiful, incredible book about uh, motivating yourself to create massive impact in business, uh, even if you don't have never gone to school. I'm excited or, for this I'm, book. I'm actually I'm really excited, excited for this book. book. So check, us out with, uh, check it out with us next week. Uh, please comment, comment, comment. Follow, follow, follow. Like, like, like. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You guys subscribe. have been incredible Do all the stuff. on the Instagram at the 52 podcast. Thank you guys. We're commenting, Truly. replying back to everyone, the messages. Um, we even had a guy this week who was asking for advice. We told him, honestly, spread love, you know, keep working. We shouted him out on our page. We don't want anything in return. But if you have people around you, like I said, follow that example, share, pass it around, you know, be please able to share people. guys, please, please. If you guys have, uh, people in your community, people that want to continue to grow as we really truly do, Please have them join us. We'd love for them to join us on this journey of self-personal uh, development, uh, of self-exploration, uh, and of massive, massive success. So, guys, we really would love for you guys to join us uh, next week when we talk about uh, the personal MBA with Josh by Josh Kaufman. And thank you guys for joining us this week. My name is Moore Milo. I'm Ralph Santarelli. This is the 52, 52 books, 52 weeks, making every single week count. Thank you guys again for joining us for episode eight, and we'll see you next week. Take care.